Welcome to the Transcend Health Podcast, where we aim to entertain, educate, and empower our listeners to move beyond pain and injury. Stay tuned to hear interesting conversations about rehabilitation, movement, strength and fitness, plus lots of advice to get you moving and feeling your best. Welcome back, Transcenders, to the Transcend Health Podcast. You're here with Ollie, physio from Transcend Health, and Luke Russell, the one and only. Yes, thank you for the introduction. Oh, no worries, <laughs> mate. You're welcome. Good to have you back on another podcast. And today, we thought we'd talk about um, something that was suggested to us by one of our members here, which is talking about um, the types of contractions like uh, that a muscle can do, so isometric concentric, eccentric, these are the types of contractions. And sometimes people in our group classes will see that on their program and wonder, I guess like this this particular person, wonder, oh, why are we going for that type of contraction? What's the purpose? And um, I guess we'll sort of talk about that a little bit today. Yep, maybe we just, yeah, go through those three main ones and kind of define what they are. Um, So I guess the, the isometric, contraction um, is a pretty simple one. That's basically when the muscle is contracting, but there's no movement happening. So you can think of some exercises like a a wall sit, where you're kind of sitting into like a squat position. Um, And yeah, your muscles are contracting, but you're not moving anywhere. Um, We often do some things with the what is it, a cinch? Yeah, a cinch or a belt yeah. or a strap or something like that. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're simulating movements, um, but yeah, there's no movement happening, but we're just getting that muscle contraction. Um, do you want to talk about when we might use that in a physio set, setting as well, when maybe there's pain involved? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, the fact that it's an isometric doesn't make it king as opposed to any other kind of contraction, I think. Yeah. I mean, in some instances, for some people, it can be, for sure. It can work wonders. Um, but when we're talking about like uh, patients who are in pain at the clinic here, I would typically tend to use isometrics for things like post-surgery, post-ACL reconstruction is, uh, is a really good one. Um, and the reason why I go for those kinds of exercises as opposed to ones where the joint's actually moving through a range of motion with load um, is because they can they can be really good at desensitizing the area and they can also be really good to <clears throat> remove variability so for example right in if you were to do a, a squat just a standard air squat or a bodyweight squat you know your knees undergoing movement there but if I was to have you sit on a chair facing a wall and kick your knee out against the wall, kick your foot out against the wall so that you're yeah. contracting the muscles but your joint isn't actually moving, hence an isometric contraction, you can go pretty hard on that. You can really push your strength and you can do it in a very comfortable and controlled way. Yeah. All right. Puts the, the patient in control because they, yeah. um, they determine how much force they're, they're actually using. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, another time that I use it, kind of similar, would be, um, say someone's had a hamstring strain or any muscle strain for that matter, but I find that one is one where it can be extremely tender 
to do any form of like squat or mm. you, know, you know hamstring bridge or something like that so initially just getting them to you know drive their heel into the bed or or whatever means that yeah they can get that muscle working and just build a tolerance to that discomfort yeah um and yeah that can then lead them into those other other movements yeah and i think it's really nice as well because you know in that example that you use for a hamstring tear or something like that that's going on um you can get a really strong contraction in the muscle but you might not get as much of if you were doing something like a squat yeah. right and um, even though the squat might actually hurt more than doing the solid isometric contraction now that plays two roles right first of all it builds confidence and in, in the patient and um, desensitizes them because it trains their body to accept that um, and secondly it reduces muscle wastage that's going to happen potentially because the person's sore and they don't want to use that muscle consciously or subconsciously so we can have them contract it to keep that muscle going and keep it healthy and strong rather than having it waste away so that's yeah those are some great examples clinically where isometrics could be used really really well what about do you want to put a spin on is there anything else you want to add on isometrics um no yeah i guess the other time that we might use them um in more of a performance type right. um, yeah scenario would be like yeah maybe like if someone's getting a sticking point uh, maybe like at the bottom of their squat or you know at a sticking point in their bench press or something we can add some of those those belt um, exercises where yeah they're just pushing against you know their own you know pushing against the belt and not moving anywhere just to really work as hard as they can at that sticking point um, or it could just be yeah before they do that that exercise is a bit of a, a warm-up into it or a, um, yeah just trying to get that power before they do the, the bench press or the squat yeah absolutely um, I mean we had a guy come here uh, who taught us a lot about isometrics um, a little while ago and he recalls stories about him delivering isometric exercises to people and one story in particular kind of stood out to me which is quite interesting from a performance perspective where he was doing handstand push-ups, quite an athletic guy, and you know he was doing them for reps, you know, to failure, and he could only do something like I don't know what it was, like twelve or something like that, which is still outstanding. But um, then he did like an isometric version of that, an isometric pushing motion for thirty seconds, let's say, and then tried again, and I think he said he almost doubled his reps or something like that. Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, pretty crazy. So. There's some interesting things going on there. It's not for everyone. Like, it doesn't have that effect for everybody all the time. Um, but, yeah, there's certainly a, a, an avenue there for performance. But the other thing, I guess, with isometrics is they're just kind of different. Yeah. And from a variety perspective, it can, it can be really nice just to do something that's slightly different. Yeah, that's it. It's not always we're, like, have some specific reason why we're putting him into a program. It's just literally for a bit of variety and different stimulus yeah keep you interested keep you engaged and really that's such an important thing when it comes to exercise because you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life hopefully um you want to try and keep it as interesting as you can yeah for sure so that's um that's isometrics um we have two other main type of contractions 
So one would be a concentric contraction, um, which is when the muscles contracting and shortening at the same time. So if you're thinking of say like a bicep curl, um, that would be when the weight is coming towards your head. Um, and then the eccentric portion is when the muscles stretching um, and contracting at the same time. So the weight going away from your head. Under um, load is, I guess. The under load, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, generally we find um, in most of like, well, I guess in every movement, there's a concentric phase and an eccentric phase. Um, generally we find the eccentric phase is a little bit easier um, to perform so in a chin up that would be lowering yourself from the bar is easier than pulling yourself up to the bar yeah. um, i think gravity has a big role to play in this um, and the same would go with a squat it's easier to lower yourself down into the squat than push yourself up um, from the squat yeah. um, so it's for this reason that we can generally load the, the eccentric portion a little bit more. Um, so I guess that's one exercise people might see in their programs, like a eccentric chin-up or something like that, is we can, let's say, someone's at a level where they're using two bands doing chin-ups. To try and get them to the next level, we can take away the bands and just get in them doing the, the negative or the eccentric part of that chin-up so we're really loading up the muscle um, in that eccentric phase, which is a little bit easier. And that can usually, yeah, have quite good results um, to try and yeah, get them towards whatever their goal might be, whether it's a chin up or yeah. a heavier squat or whatever. That's right. Why do you think that that is? Do you have any ideas or, or information about why that, that kind of helps? Um, I mean, yeah, not really, to be honest. Um, yeah, it just, it just does. I, I think, I mean, I don't know for sure. There's probably some literature and some studies out there that say, oh, well, this is why, because on a muscular level, this happens. Loads the tendons. Yeah, whatever it is. I, I think, I think what's going on there is, um, for many people, there's a large component that's kind of psychological and confidence wise, particularly when you think about things like, um, chin ups or or moving a heavier weight on something, whether it be a squat or something like that, right? Um, there's this like, well, that's really heavy. I know that that's very hard to do and I, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but if you can do a part of it, it's like breaking it down into steps so that it's more digestible for your body to kind of process. Yeah. And when we talk about strength generation, creating strength, yeah, there's a, there's a tissue component in terms of having larger, you know, larger muscles, more tissue there. But there's also this, what we call a neurological component or um, where your body has to actually learn to produce force. And I think that an eccentric contraction, if we go back to the chin up example, where you're lowering your body down without assistance of bands, um, is kind of acclimatizing your body to be able to better digest that and say, hey, oh, this is not too bad, I can tolerate that. And then we're one step closer to going up without bands as well. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good argument. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another time where people might see these words, eccentric, concentric, or whatever, written on their programs is when we're putting in some tempo work. Um, so yeah, it might say something like five second, lower, 
you know, a few second pause and then, and then coming back up. Um, yeah, generally we tend to, to slow down the, the eccentric phase or the lowering phase. Um, and yeah, my thoughts on that is just, yeah, so we can really, um, I guess there's the patterning aspect, as in under the, under the load we can spend more time um, in that easy, easier phase of the movement to really um, load that person up and also just really get the, the pattern loaded in that harder phase. Um, generally the concentric phase, we're not worried about tempos, we're just kind of driving up because we, <laughs> we want that power as well. Um, the concentric phase is usually yeah, the, the kind of the powerful. Um, yeah, it's the expression of force, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, so with regards to tempos, I, like, you know, we, we would typically, if we added a tempo to something, we would be adding it to someone's program to have them typically, not always, but typically have them go slower. Yeah. Right? To have them experience, I guess, longer time under tension on the exercise or more time on each rep. And that can be, as you said, like to help learn pattern, learn movement. Um, but sometimes it can also be just to slow people down who are just super, super quick. Yeah. Uh, and they need to perhaps spend a little bit more time identifying and understanding each part of the motion rather than just up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. Um, for whatever goal they're, they're, they're wanting to achieve. And that's, yeah, when we're getting into, because we're talking about different contractions, I guess, yeah, when it comes to time under tension, um, back to the isometric example, mm. you know, if you're just sitting in one spot, maybe the time under tension might be however long you've prescribed, like right. 30 second wall sit or a minute wall sit. Yeah. Um, if you're just getting someone to do 10 squats, that if they're just up and down, up, down, up, down, the actual time that the, the muscles under tension might be, you know, 10 seconds or so if they're going pretty quick. Mm. Where if we start adding in these tempos where it's you know, five seconds down, five seconds up, or whatever we're doing, um, then it's you know ten seconds each squat. That's right. So if they're doing the ten squats, you know they're getting over you know a minute just doing this movement. So that's right. I guess yeah, it's just more. It's super important, right? When we start to like manipulate these kinds of characteristics. For example, if we're trying to improve muscular endurance, right? How much work a muscle can do in a period of time before it starts to really fatigue and burn. Um, then we want to use that, that concept of time under tension because doing things in a short burst and then having a big rest is not going to train the, um, the muscle to be able to do more, right? So using time under tension and pushing that limit a little bit um, with a tempo it can be really, really great at improving that. Um, probably also quite good at breaking plateaus if we want to talk about a performance kind of side of things. If people are <coughs> struggling to develop, you know, their first chin up or develop a, a you know a weight on a squat or something like that, whatever it may be. If you take a step back and develop greater time under tension in your training program, yeah. sometimes that can translate into. An achievement on the back end of that. Yeah, yeah, and it can take just the momentum out of movements as well. So let's just say, yeah, like a push up or whatever. 
if people are just kind of ripping it up and kind of using momentum or, or in a chin up, just kind of swinging themselves up. I've um, seen you do a few of those. In the yeah, gym, definitely. Swing. <laughs> Um, a bit of a swinger. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but if you, if you slow it down and add those tempos, it just removes all momentum and just makes it so much harder. Yeah. So, yeah, if people are getting to a point where, yeah, they're reaching a plateau and they want to try and reach that next level, just adding some pauses or yeah. some really slow um, controlled negatives or whatever is going to... Yeah, really make the, the exercise that much more difficult without having to add weights or, you know, an extra 100 reps or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. So I guess the, the last contraction terminology that we've got to cover is the concentric. Yeah. So we've covered isometric, covered eccentric, time under tension a little bit as well there. But concentric, it's probably the easiest out of a lot of them, I would say, because there's not really that much to say about it, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Um, so concentric, a concentric contraction is like, described as uh, where the muscle is shortening under load, um, right? So if you think about the bicep curl, as we talked about before, it's where you're lifting the weight up towards your head. Um, the bicep is then shortening under load, it's contracting. Um, and we, like, we don't really program specifically around concentric loads in, in our classes or with our programs, right? I, don't, I certainly don't really do too much of that. I don't no. think you do either. Yeah. Um, there are... <laughs> There is something floating around in the exercise world where people like to do, for example, a deadlift and just do the concentric version, i.e. lift it from the floor and then drop it so they don't end up doing the eccentric version, which is lowering it to the ground. And the theory behind that is that eccentric contractions tend to generate more muscle soreness. So by only doing the concentric phase, then you're able to create a training stimulus and adaptation, but without creating so much muscle soreness after. So that's perhaps one argument, but we don't really use that here. Yeah, I'm guessing that's because, yeah, the muscle's being stretched at the t- same time as being contracted. And, mm. um, in an I don't know, if you're doing yeah. lots of stretching, sometimes you can pull, pull up quite sore from it. So yeah. I don't know if it's yeah, something to do with that. I, I think it probably is. If you think about the muscle being like an elastic band um, and you're doing an eccentric contraction, right, where you're lowering the weight down under control, the elastic band's going to get stretched and stretched and stretched under quite a lot of load. And we know that with exercise, we get this little bit of micro trauma in the muscle and, and that then drives adaptation and some stronger muscular developments after, right, when it recovers. Um, and we, we've seen to know that that eccentric contractions lowering under control seems to create more of that microtrauma. Yeah. Whether that's important or not, though, is another thing. Yeah. For most people, it's probably not. (laughs) Yeah, true. So yeah, I guess that's um, a bit of an overview of the the different types of contractions. Hopefully we've answered, answered the question. Yeah, as always, if you have any more questions about some of the things that we do or, or about exercise prescription in general, um, let us know, either in person or on our website, anything like that, you can reach out and we're more than happy to um, answer some questions anonymously and, and, and talk about these concepts because the more you know, the better you are. Got it. Thank you. See you later.
Thanks for listening to the Transcend Health Podcast. Please share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes.